It's been on the hot list of must-see places now for years. The Adriatic coastline of Croatia has become a popular alternative to the busy Mediterranean resorts of Spain, France, and Italy. Some people go to Croatia to see where they film scenes for Game of Thrones and the Mamma Mia sequel. Layers of Greek, Roman, and Habsburg history add stories of their own. And who doesn't enjoy eating well with a view of a gorgeous beach? The government of Croatia has set an ambitious goal to attract more tourists than ever this year. Tour guides Tina Hiti and Marjan Kriskovic are bringing us expert advice for planning a trip to Croatia now on Travel with Rick Steves. Tina and Marjan, welcome. Thank you for having us. I understand your government has recently said we're going to double tourism in the future or something like that. What's your take on that, Tina? Is there enough tourism? Uh, how, would, how would you have more tourism? Can you handle more tourism? At the moment, I'm a little fearful that we cannot really handle handle the numbers that we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our governments are not really well prepared for that. And you can see that on the roads. We have a lot of traffic congestions. Mm-hmm. So I do hope that they take a little different approach to it. But this last summer was just insane. Everywhere you went, it was just very busy. Are most people going to the famous places, leaving the rest of the country relatively untouristed? I would say there's still a lot of secret spots that yeah, you can enjoy and spend there just yeah. by yourself. Marianne, when I think about Croatia, I just think uh, Dubrovnik, uh, Split... Uh, Right, and those are some of the highlights, but there's a whole lot more to discover. Remember, if we speak even just about the coast, there's more than 1,200 islands. So (laughs) it's not just the one or two that get hit the news. And the international tourists are probably on three or four of the islands, leaving the rest of them. Exactly, and they're just as beautiful, have just as much to see, so there's plenty of secret spots to hit and explore. So, Marianne, it seems like at any point, 90% of the tourists would be on three or four of the famous islands off the Dalmatian coast. There must be a few more. Can you share one that might be less touristed that is worth knowing about? Definitely. The list would be quite long. And even if you go to a famous spot like Dubrovnik, one, of, again, of many examples uh, would be a very short ferryboat ride from the Dubrovnik Harbor. You could hit one of the Elafiti Islands. Uh-huh. There's uh, three main little isles which uh, are traffic-free. There's no cars, so that deters a lot of the tourists away, and it truly is the Mediterranean as it was. Wow, and it's so close to Dubrovnik. Exactly. So even in the most populated tourist hotspots, you are never too far away from your ideal Mediterranean scape. Now, one thing that's in the news lately are all of these filming spots for Game of Thrones and so on. And also, Mamma Mia is sort of a big deal now. Uh, Tina, what's the news? A lot of tourists are coming to Croatia because of Game of Thrones. Mm, Yes, a lot of tourists are actually coming to Croatia to see where the series was filmed. Um, And they actually are not interested in seeing the cities, but they are interested in seeing the sites where those series were filmed. And you can walk with them through Dubrovnik and they don't want to hear anything about the history of Dubrovnik or history of Diocletian's palace, but they want to see where Daenerys kept her dragons or where they had fights on the walls. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's kind of sad a little bit. Another thing that I'm really worried about, because for me, one of those islands that were so off the beaten path and they were wonderful, even Tito back in the days of Yugoslavia decided to have his residence over there was the island of Vis. But this last summer, they have filmed the sequel of Mamma Mia. Uh-huh. 
And I'm worried that this year this might be the hotspot. What's it like uh, living and working in former Yugoslavia now? Certainly there's peace compared to the horrible war that your parents lived through. Marianne, what's your take on the government? Well, Croatia, I'm afraid, is uh, pretty much in tune with the global trends where nobody's happy with their government, no matter who gets elected. And there's a lot of frustration with the um, ineffectiveness of government, corruption, and so forth. And it's leading to an increased polarization. Why do you think government is ineffectual? And why is your society so divided? I mean, if I would have the answer to that, I would have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's true>. but... <laughs> But, I mean, when you think about what's going on in Europe, uh, Poland has a, a kind of a yep. scary government, yep. I think. And Hungary the same, but uh, increased polarization, a lot of frustrated people looking for... Is it fear? Is it driven by all of these refugees? It's such a small part of it. Yeah. It's many different issues, in, particularly in Croatia. It's the high unemployment, the uh, mm-hmm. possibilities for, for young people, the economy. There's a lot of skeletons in the closets from the war There's still over there. Oh, that's true. You have Corruption. a huge, huge baggage because yeah, of the war. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, from a tourism point of view, it feels like good times, mm-hmm. I would say. And there's yeah, more infrastructure, definitely. and uh, that's, yeah. that's encouraging. And tourism will bring a boost to the true. economy, which is a great thing for former Yugoslavia. And this is, in fact, the first year where Croatia got back to the same numbers where it was before 89. Oh, is that so, right? Yep. So this is hopefully... Before 89, before yeah. the war. <laughs> yeah. The first numbers meaning the numbers of tourists. That's right. Holy cow. So that is quite a milestone. Yep. It is quite a milestone. It's the record year. Unfortunately, there's a lot of focus on the numbers, and that mm-hmm. is another legacy of the old days from Yugoslav tourism, where numbers were everything without giving consideration of the impact on the environment how much it actually contributes to the economy. It was just numbers that looked good on paper. So I hope there's more and more of an emphasis that one should look away from that and actually work on the quality. You know, both of you seem just so smart and so open and so eloquent in your your second language of English. Are you products of the public education system in former Yugoslavia, or did you have rich parents that could get you the best school? (laughs) Well, during the times of Yugoslavia, there was really no no other option. That was it, public education. And And you grew up up during that time. Yeah, Yeah. and still nowadays, I think it's so rare, maybe private kindergarten, but public, public. it's public. So you just did your studies, and you succeeded under the communist grade school. Mm-hmm. And then today yeah. you've carried yeah. on and, and you're functioning uh, quite well as tour guides. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Marjan Kriskovic and Tina Hiti about what's going on in former Yugoslavia, Croatia. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Martina's calling in from Atlanta. Hi, Martina. Dobardan. Hello, Marjan and Tina. <laughs> That's the first word you need to know. Dobardan. Good day. That's right. Um, I had the privilege of visiting Croatia for the first time about 18 months ago, and I fell in love with the country. I've actually met and become friends with a woman who I call my sister from another mister, Mm, or in Croatian, it's my rodica, (laughs) and she helped me find my family, my mother's family's from um, Dalmatia. But some of my favorite places um, that I visited um, 18 months ago, and I went back um, in last October, of course, Dubrovnik. But on the coastline, I also loved Zadar, Mm -hmm. uh, which is purported to have the most beautiful sunset in the world. And they have that lovely, it's an organ organ, that the (laughs) ocean plays. 
It started off as an art installation, so the sound changes as the waves enter these little channels and produce different sounds, and it sounds like a melody, like humming of the oh, sea, and so right? while How you're watching organic. the sunset. It's hard to describe. One just has to go there and, and experience and it with all your senses. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Martina, have you been to the capital city, Zagreb? I have, and I love it. Uh, one of my cousins lives there. She's a 25-year-old, and she's very much plugged into the cafe culture. So we spent mm. a few nights there. She's a musician, and she gigged at a coffee house. And we hung out, and we had pancakes, which is not like American pancakes. Tina, can you explain a little bit about the coffee culture and that sort of scene in Zagreb? Oh, yes. Well, I think all of the former Yugoslavia, but I think Zagreb especially, we have this amazing coffee culture where literally everything is done behind a coffee table and with a little tiny cup of coffee. Uh, we always say that the business is done over there. We meet our friends there. We meet mm -hmm. our boyfriends, girlfriends, future husbands, wives. We would just hang out in coffee bars a lot, and it's just where the culture really kicks in. Coffee bars. Yeah. Now, in Zagreb, you've got some, some fascinating sites. What are mm -hmm. those, a couple of sites that you'd recommend seeing? Mm -hmm. I would definitely recommend one of my favorite things is the Naive Museum, mm -hmm. Naive Art Museum. So Naive Art meaning uh, sort of untrained, wild, genius in the rough kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, genius in the rough. Because art was not really sponsored back in the day, and you were kind of... So this is the best Playing of the, of the farm boy bit. art. Yes, in, I would say in in the museum there yeah. in Zagreb, and it was one of the most beautiful museums. It is, it is wonderful. And another one that I really enjoy is the Museum of Broken Relationships, which I think it's huh. phenomenal. It's nothing like that in the world. It's a couple that actually decided that they will split, but they had certain things that they didn't know how to share. So is it yours? Is it mine? Oh, we don't really know. So let's just put a museum of the things that are kind of, of left us. out there. <laughs> and then people started hearing about it, and they started bringing stuff in from their relationships. That physical things. Yeah, physical that things. They like they couldn't a decide little, who owned it. A little bunny, or, <laughs> you know. Marianne, that's sort of the uh, quirky personality. Mm -hmm. You can almost psychoanalyze that. It's, it's something that doesn't surprise me you'd find yep. in Croatia. Yep. Talk a little bit about that Well, spirit. fortunately, there's this, um, I mentioned earlier, there's this, um, there's still this baggage when it comes to tourism from the old Yugoslav day, how things were approached, whether customer how should be treated, how bars, hotels should be. And now there's this whole new young generation of uh, young people that travel, have all these fresh ideas, mm -hmm. and are transferring them in every aspect of their daily life. And it's just wonderful to experience this renaissance. You know, I got to say, culture. you two are both young generation tour guides. And when I'm traveling in Eastern Europe, if I ever have to work with a tour guide who's older from the communist times, it's very frustrating, to be honest. They just are like um, robots. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that to me? It's just, it's like day and night, the difference. Uh, are you comfortable talking a bit about that, Marianne? <laughs> sure. I, I grew up in a place like that down on the coast. My my father was the manager of a large resort with several hotels and bungalows and hotels. And I basically grew up seeing firsthand how things worked. And um, uh, it's just a mindset that people grew up with, what tourism... I felt, I felt like tour guides were broken spirits that had to <laughs> recite something that was dictated to them. To a large extent. It's just everything was pretty much preset, the expectations, how mm -hmm. things should be managed and done. 
And if you, if you distinguished uh, yourself, it could only cause you problems. I mean, there's probably no way to go up. It just not not necessarily. Yeah. It wasn't, but uh, yeah, there were certain expectations on how things yeah. should be done, and well, everybody I'm glad who that you're... wanted to succeed <laughs> should follow them. So ultimately, yeah, I'm glad you're more free spirited now. <laughs> Tina, yeah. any thoughts Thank about God. that? Yeah, I, if I can say it, I remember the days when we started doing tours for you, and you know, we sat with Marian, and you know, the all no grumps and being late and all that, and I'm like, oh my God, really? we can leave people behind because we were still kind of given those thoughts and ideas, but you know, now it's so much different. And now when I work with some local guides, I must say that sometimes it gets a little frustrating because they don't understand that you need to go a little bit outside of that picture. Yeah. You know, out of the box. That's the problem that a lot of people have. There's a a residue of that conformity from the very strict everything top down in communism. Disappearing fast, disappearing fast. Well, thank thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Martina, thanks for your call. Bye bye. Bye bye. And Scott's calling in from San Antonio in Texas. Hi, Scott. Hi, Rick and Marianne and Tina. Thanks for having me. My wife and I will be traveling to Croatia in a few months, and we went to find local, non-touristy, out-of-the-way restaurants, but don't speak a word of Croatian. And we were wondering how easy it would be to recognize menu items on perhaps a handwritten menu, and how tolerant do you think the locals will be of our best efforts to speak the language? I think they would be very presently surprised if you make the effort to to pick up on a few words. But beyond that, English is taught in schools. So from elementary, in many cases, even right from kindergarten, kids start learning English. So you shouldn't have any bigger problems communicating, getting around uh, when it comes to restaurants. Most menus are multilingual. It's hard to find one just in Croatian. If that's the case, the owner is usually happy to explain and show, so um, you shouldn't have any problems whatsoever. Yeah, Scott, remember, it seems logical that a smaller language would be less likely to speak English, but the fact is the smaller the language, the more likely they'll speak English as Mm -hmm. a second language. In Italy or France or Spain, you can get by without speaking English, but in Croatia, any tourist that comes in is going to want to have English on that menu. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, Tina and Marianne, if you're a traveler like me or Scott and you want to find the, quote, untouristy restaurant, sometimes the business that tourism brings in enables a restaurant to do a better job. What is the balance there? Do you want a completely untouristy restaurant or do you want a mix or do you want to sit on the waterfront with with all the tourists? It's hard sometimes because lots of people ask that precise question. Everybody wants the, the restaurant where it's not touristy, it's a genuine experience. The unfortunate thing is that many restaurants in the top tourist sites and cities along the coast will be open only seasonally, just in the mm. summertime. Mm-hmm. And the owners might not even be local and cater only to the demands of tourists. Again, that's something that was prevalent in the past. Now, yet again, with this new generation of young Croatians that are growing up, they really care about presenting their culture. And there's more and more restaurants and efforts to really show the local food, not just the French fries and uh, mm. schnitzels, whatever. So just asking around, either just at the TI or and have engaging a cu- conversation. Have a curiosity for the national dishes. Tina, very quickly, mm-hmm. in Croatia, what are three or four dishes we should be aware of? I would say one of the first things, some lamp, lamp on lamb. a skewer, mm-hmm. that would be good. When you're close. So if you see a restaurant with a lamb on a spit, yes, that's a good definitely sign. go for it. Yeah, yeah. And trout as well, trout by, in the lakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the lakes. Then when you're on the coastline, uh-huh. definitely any kind of seafood. Sea bream is very oh, good. I love sea bream. If you're down on the 
Dalmatian coastline, you can also try some kamenice or certain kind of oysters from our part. Oysters. Mussels in uh-huh. a really nice wine sauce. And Marianne, what about burek and what about baklava? Uh, burek and baklava are not really typical for Croatia. They uh, spilled over from neighboring Bosnia, but became very popular fast food options that you will find almost on every corner. Croatia is known for wonderful, great bakeries where you'll find lots of burek, so which is that, a type of filo dough. Ottoman, Ottoman and Muslim exactly. from Bosnia. Scott, I hope that's some good tips for you. Uh, that, that is. That, that's uh, reassuring. I can't wait to uh, try it out. How do you say bon appetit in Croatian? Mm. Dobartek. This is so much fun talking about Croatia with you guys. We've been talking with Tina Hiti and Marian Kriskovic about traveling Croatia. Let's just talk a, a vivid experience. I'll never forget Rovin, my favorite town on the coast, sitting literally in the rocks on pillows with chandeliers flickering in the wind, having a cocktail with people from all over former Yugoslavia. It was just beautiful. Shame your one little moment, Tina, uh, and then Marian, that you would have as a guide with a traveler? For me, it's the hill towns of Istria because they are not very highly populated with tourists, I would say. Istria, I-S-T-R-I-A, really close to Venice, just a little bit east of Venice. Okay, the hill towns of Istria, Motovun is one. Motovun, Grožnjan, then also Brtonigla, also Buje. I was walking around Motovun and and heard uh, uh, one of these a cappella singing groups playing. I couldn't believe the world I was in there, and it was real. It wasn't yeah. for the tourists. And you go to Grozhnyan, which is an artist colony, and you can see artists really there nice. in situ working on their projects, and it's just amazing. It's wonderful. Where is that? What town is that? Uh, Grozhnyan. Marian, how about you? What's the experience? For me, it would probably be one that uh, people wouldn't necessarily think of because my favorite time um, down on the coast uh, where I grew up is uh, the wintertime. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> when there's very few people, but the temperatures for most of the time stay pretty mild. And one thing that I enjoy every year is the olive picking season. I'm thinking of olive picking time uh, with my family and my father's um, olive orchard. The temperatures are just perfect, the beautiful blue skies, the the colors are just so much crisper. It's not too hot, it's not misty, it's mm. all the everything smells nicer, all the herbs, the Mediterranean vegetation. You can actually focus on your family, the wonderful food. It's just those special moments. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Marian Kriskovic and Tina Hiti about the wonders of Croatia. Let's close with just pretending our audience can speak Croatian. And you're going to give them a big welcome to your country. Dobrodošli u Hrvatskoj. Dobrodošli. And what does that mean? Welcome. Well, thank you both very much. Hvala. Thank you. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.